Welcome to another episode of the Drive Like a Mother podcast. I am your host, Ivy Harris. With three kids, I often feel tired at the end of the day. The cooking, the cleaning, and the mommy can use leave me wiped out. So I thought to myself, I need to get a sex educator up in here to talk to us moms about how to take off that mom hat and transition into sexy wife. On my Instagram story, I asked women, more specifically mothers, to chime in and ask their burning questions about sex. I got responses that ranged from how often should a couple have sex to how to get your kid out of the bed. The last question was from my husband. He's not a mom. Today on the Drop Like a Mother podcast, we have sex educator and licensed psychologist LaDawn Lanier on the Drop Like a Mother podcast. So just to kick things off, how do you define a sexologist and how much education is required? Okay, so a sexologist is basically a person who scientifically studies human sexuality. So it's not a person who just says, I like sex and I'm just going to talk about it for a living. Because there are people who do that. And honestly, there are people who listen to that and will pay for that. But a person who really is a sexologist has some type of scientific background. Mm -hmm. And um, sexology is interdisciplinary. So there might be a person that studies biology or a person who studies psychology, um, a person who studies um, criminology even. And um, typically in order to become a sex therapist, you would need a master's degree in some sort of helping profession like counseling or something therapy related. And then also additional training to specifically become a sex therapist. Now, there are also people who are sex educators who can also call themselves sexologists. And that's more, since that's more of an educational degree, you can be trained by whoever you work for to teach exactly what they want you to teach. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to school and get a bachelor's or a master's and focus on, um, you know, gender studies or LGBT issues or however the program works. So it's still, you know, it's it's still education that goes into it because you want it to be based in something scientific rather than I just like this and I want to talk about it all the time. Yes. Because we like it. That's right. So you're kind of blending, you're forging your, um, your, your studies together. So because you are a, like, you're a certified school psychologist, right. uh, um, that comes with its own, you know, uh, long tenure of education, right? So I have, I have two master's degrees and what actually made me interested in, um, looking into sexology in general was that I was working in a large public school and, a lot of the kids that were more severely handicapped ended up being pregnant and nobody was talking about, they weren't getting health classes. You know, your health teacher is not a sexologist. Your health teacher That's is a teacher who's certified in K-12 education. Yes. Who has to teach whatever that specific curriculum is. And by the time they're teaching it, most of these kids are already having sex. So I'm seeing kids that, that not only don't get the conversation at home, because they might be intellectually impaired in some way, but they're also not getting it at school because that's not even really part of their curriculum. So that makes me think, what can I do to help them? And then I realized if there's a program that I can take to incorporate some of that into my everyday work, why can't I just take that show on the road and do some other stuff and talk to their parents too? Because their parents are having sex just like the kids are having sex. It's so true. And explain sexuality to the parents because oftentimes they look at their kids so differently than they yeah. do themselves. And, and you, don't, you can't 
account for what type of information somebody is getting at home. You know, think about it. You, you know what your parents told you. Mm-hmm. They're from a different generation than you are, and their parents were from a different generation too. And there are people from all over the world, and people look at sex very differently. So you have a lot of people that come together who have varying degrees of scientific understanding yes. of what the actual act in, in, like includes, but then there's other stuff that goes into it. You know, it's, it's gender roles and it's, it's how you view your body image and it's how you communicate physically and, you know, non-verbally. It's, there's a lot that goes into the study of sexuality itself more than just intercourse. It's so and, true. And we don't talk about any of that. As I agree. And so you're going to bring that to the space of education. Is that where you're, so once you, um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm get certified doing, in that. Yeah. I'm doing more education than therapy. I, I discovered early on that I, I'm not built for long-term therapy. That's, and that's something that's important for people who, who become, who work in helping professions to realize that it, you can get burnt out really quickly. You totally can. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I'm not built for that long term. <laughs> I agree. And, and, you know, I don't know if my list, if I haven't told you already, I'm a school counselor mm-hmm. and you do, you, you, you get burnt out, especially, um, you know, you, you've been doing it for, I've been doing this for 10 years. You know, I've been an educator for 13. Right. And so you, <laughs> you get burned out and, 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 you know, a lot of, um, my constituents, like a lot of my coworkers, they're like, well, why don't you go, go into the private sector? I'm like, no, that's, that's more of the same, work, right? It's, yes, and then it's you're not work. guaranteed an, an, an income. You have to work extra hard to do private practice. Yes. And, you know, you have nothing to fall back on. And you're still, you know, getting burnt out, you know, because mm-hmm. you like for people like us, like we like we care so deeply about yeah. these people that it weighs on us if they don't get better. It weighs on us mm-hmm. if, you know, they're not taking our advice. It weighs on us if, like, if something happens to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get offended so, by people asking for advice on, on Facebook and and then they don't take my advice. I'm an expert. Listen to me. Right. It's so true. So, um, okay. So, but it's good though, because you can still help people in the, in, in the sex arena. Right. So yeah. I even took it to Instagram. Right. So I said, if I brought a sexologist on the show, would, what would you guys want to know about? So I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm going to ask you the questions that my Instagram, um, peeps wanted to know answers to. Okay. I'm ready. Nothing shocks me. I hope I have good answers. Okay. All right. So <laughs> Um, the first one you already answered, which is what is a sexologist? The second one is what is the most common misconception about sex therapy? So I came up with a huge list of things that people probably think about. And then I started laughing at myself because the, the biggest misconception is, is really that all you want to do is talk about sex. Like intercourse is all anybody ever talks about. And if you're only talking about intercourse, that means you must either have it all the time or you want to have it all the time. And if you go to a sex therapist, you're going to have to have sex in the office. No, no, you are not going to have sex in that office. There are people out there who may want to see you have sex. Your therapist will not be one of them at all. (laughs) That is hilarious. You know, because you watch TV, right? TV is the thing that... TV ruins you. Yes. <laughs> TV ruins you. gives you this false misconception 
that you're going to go to a sex therapist and they're going to be like, okay, let's see it. Let's see how you mm-hmm. get down. Let's see what okay, you do. The problem, let me hold your leg. No. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Nope. <laughs> what position? That's like hard no. <laughs> All right, so here's the second one. How much schooling is required to become a sex therapist? Okay, so you have to have a master's degree. Some master's programs, they range from 30 to 60, sometimes more credits than that. And then there's an additional, I want to say it's about 150 hours of like actual instructional time specific to techniques for sex therapy. Got it. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, it's, it's extra because it's, it's, a, it's a specialty. Yes. You know, everyone, every, and, and honestly, everyone that has experience in sexuality doesn't necessarily want to do sex therapy. Like I have quite a few friends that were therapists and then also studied human sexuality, but aren't doing that in therapy. They're mm-hmm. doing their therapy and then they're doing their education. And that doesn't mean there can't be some of both. Insurance doesn't typically pay for both, but you know, they, you, you figure out a way to make it work for whatever works for you. That's good. Yeah. And that's a really good note um, for people who are going to therapy already, um, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes you get the miscon- you also get the misconception that, you know, you can talk to uh, your, th- or your therapist can advise you on those things, right. but you, you probably do want to get a special, a specialty therapist to talk more yeah. about that if that is the issue. Um, or you go to a marriage and family therapist that has a sex therapist background also. Right, and there and there are quite a few people out there that that do that, and there are quite a few people of color out there that do that too. That's so. Awesome, that's fantastic. All right, so another question that my Instagram peeps asked was, how often should couples have sex? Is there an average or minimum to maintain a strong connection? Ah, uh, you know, there's no good answer for that, right? No, right? It's so true. <laughs> There really is no good answer. So um, let's go phase for phase, right? So like, for example, if you have, if you have, like for me, if I have a new baby, I know that's going to be different for me because not, mm-hmm. not only am I tired, but oftentimes you're co-sleeping or, or mm-hmm. your baby is right there in the, in the bassinet or the co-sleeper next to the bed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're tired, right? Like there, we're exhausted all the time anyway, yes. because we definitely don't uh, uh, take care of ourselves in general. Mm-hmm. As women, we don't tend to take care of ourselves in general. We take care of everybody else and then we fall on the back burner. So what might have been normal for us before we became, um, you know, mothers might not be normal for us now. And we kind of have to, to work through that. And, and honestly, there's no normal because people have different degrees of, of need and desire. Yes. And that actually changes over your lifetime and it changes situationally. You know, if you're going through a, a, a series of crises at work, you might not think about having sex because that's like the last thing on your mind. You might be worried about losing your job. You yeah. know, if you're having marital issues, you might not like your partner very much right now. doesn't mean that you don't want to have sex. You might just not want to have sex right then and there because they just said something that just irritated you and you don't want to do that. Right. So, What's typical is going to look different when things are great and you have a high, high libido or if you're 20 versus if you're 45, you know, what you may be, or if you, if you have some type of illnesses, all of that changes. There's a lot of research out there 
um, on different populations where the average might be like once a, once a week. Once a week is a lot for some people. Once a week might be grounds for divorce for someone else. So if you, you got together with somebody and you've agreed that we can do this at least once a week, every week, and then something happens and that changes, you know, you got to renegotiate what's good for you. You know, you, you need to talk. Yes. <laughs> Talking is very important. Communication is very important, but actually more than communication, comprehension is even more important. That's right. You can't you talk to somebody if they don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Do you understand me and do you understand how I feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you negotiate your needs? Because you have to accept it, that everything is not going to be great all the time physically for you. So you kind of have, have to work through that with the other person. And you, honestly, you have to work through that with yourself. Sometimes you have to forgive yourself. It's true, right? Like, you know, sometimes, even me, like sometimes I feel bad, like, oh my gosh, it's been however long, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm so tired. Like, it's not like you don't, like sometimes you, 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 you want to, but it, there's so many other things that oh, are yeah. in play, right? I can remember a time I was talking all kinds of mess yeah, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I was like, this is all foreplay in my head. And then next thing you know. That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> you're, you're out for the count. You're tired. You're, you're, you, you fell asleep. You woke up. Why didn't you wake me up? You and know? I'm like, I would have been ready. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> no, you been ready. You would not have. All right. So, um, all right, we're, all, we're working down to the end. My one friend says that the doctor recommend, recommended six weeks um, after having a baby and and that one friend said she feels like that's bogus like six weeks is, is a very short window of time after after giving birth to then say all right well let, let's let's do it now you know let, let's let's get intimate now and you know maybe for some women that's cool but for a lot of women you know of course you know depending on how you had your baby c-section versus right you know vaginal that's completely different but um, even for that six week mark for some women, that's, that's a tough, you know, that's a tough spot for them. Yeah. So the, the six weeks and actually now some doctors say they give you a range, they say four to six weeks, uh, or they tell you try not to have sex before you come back in for your next appointment, which is typically at six weeks. Um, that really is to try to try to eliminate the chances of you getting an infection in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really, it's really to prevent infection because um, your cervix is still open. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to risk complications. So it's not so much to stop you from, from enjoying your partner's company. It's to protect your insides because your insides just went through a traumatic event. Yes. You know, and, and for some women, you don't even have the, the feeling down there yet. You don't have the feeling anywhere yet. Your body is going through all kinds of like amazing changes. If you're breastfeeding, then there's all this other stuff that's going on. You don't um, really want to be touched if you're breastfeeding. I, I, exactly. You're like, wait a minute, I'm going through a metamorphosis, okay? Right. I need to not feel sexual. There are these hormones that, are, that purposely make you bond it's also what you know it's oxytocin it's also what makes you it's the love hormone it what it's what makes you love whoever you had that baby with (laughs) and it also makes you bond with that child and as you're bonding with their child you're forgetting you know that there's other stuff that's going on here because you're bonding with that child it's kind of hard to separate that sometimes. And then you're also exhausted and then your body doesn't feel good. I mean, I, I know for me personally, I had a C-section. 
And me too. All three it, of them. Yeah. Ooh, honey. <laughs> even it, it took months before I could even like touch my abdomen and it felt like what my stomachs feel like, you yeah. know, it just, like even from the external touch, it didn't feel what I considered normal. So for some women, it's just not going to feel the same. And for, for some women, it never really goes back to feeling the same. The important thing is to remember, it's okay. Now, if something hurts, you should go to a doctor and have a conversation about specifically what is hurting and find out if there's something going on. Mm. But That's a really good point. Yeah, you know, because some things, there, there should be some change. There should be some discomfort. There should be time for healing. But pain is not supposed to happen. So what if you don't like, what if you don't want to be touched? Like, what if like, so this isn't me. This is another friend that, you know, that I was talking to, but so she has this thing where she doesn't want to be touched. Okay. Touched in general or? In, 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 in general, like with, with sexuality. Uh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause that's a conversation you have, a, you know, you, you should not be touched if you don't want to be touched. Yes. You have to remember you have a partner who's accustomed to touching you and is probably eager to touch you. So there needs to be some conversation between the two of you about not wanting to be touched and maybe try to work through why you don't want to be touched. Mm -hmm. Or maybe just that you don't want to be touched in a certain way, but you haven't really verbalized that it's this way. And maybe there are other ways that I can be touched and it's okay. Yes. Yep. So kind of like taking an exploration of, you know, yeah. like how you want to be touched versus right. just not. You know, you have to get to all. know your you have to get to know your body again, and that other person needs to get to know their your body again too. That's right. Everything changes. No, nothing is going to feel the same way it did before because your body just went through an event that changed it. Yeah. <laughs> it is not going to feel the same, and that's okay. What's not okay is not being able to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be comfortable with that other person to say, even if you don't know the words, to say that there's a problem and then you work on working through it. Yes. I, I really think, you know, especially with like breastfeeding and stuff, like you just really become yeah. guarded, right? Yeah. Like you guard those things with all of, mm-hmm. with all of your might. The milk is gold. That's <laughs> right. The milk is gold. They're, these are bottles now. They're mm-hmm. not like for pleasure, you know? Um, and so it, it, it's really a mental warfare to yeah. try to get yourself to shift. And I think like, like you said about the oxytocin, I think it becomes like, um, you know, like th- those feelings of like being perverted, mm-hmm. right. Happens because you're like that, that oxytocin is kicking in and it's making you bond with your baby. And, and some, for some people, maybe your nipples weren't incredibly arousing before. But now they're extra sensitive. And so now you're being aroused by something that you think you shouldn't be aroused by. And that, that plays horrible games with your head, you know? Yeah. But, but that's also normal to experience those things. Right. Because that's how mm-hmm. your body was made to be. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, I, like, I can't recommend postpartum therapy enough for, for us. <sighs> okay. Right? So most we we have a tendency to believe that that all these crazy feelings that you're feeling are all typical 
and it's okay, but they do get to the point where, you know, they're not typical anymore. And I think a lot of women might think about postpartum depression, but they refer to everything as postpartum now. That includes postpartum anxiety. Most women are forgetting that the anxiety of, I can't leave my, my baby alone, or, oh my gosh, are they breathing if they're in the other room, or that constant, like, looking to make sure that everything is okay, that can become excessive, and that's part of postpartum, too. And we yes. don't get help for that. We think that that's okay. And we think that we can work through it. You don't have to work through it alone. There are people out there that can actually help you work through all of these feelings and help you get back to what your normal is supposed to feel like. Yes, I agree. And, you know, we try to like go at it alone all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? You know, like why, why, even, why even go through all of this stuff by yourself? You know, right. and, and we don't, I think, I think it's the, the unknown, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and you know, we go to the doctor at, at that six week visit and we we're talking to our OBGYN and they're asking, you know, they give you that pad and they're asking like, mm -hmm. how do you feel? And you're, you're, you're saying things to check off the box to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Check, 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 check. Okay. Right? Do I really I, go back to work now? <laughs> if we were honest, like, I feel like we would all be getting yeah. to some degree. Yeah. And, and honestly, we probably should. Yes. <laughs> we really probably should. I, you know, bringing a baby into a relationship is a big deal. And I think generationally, we don't talk about how big of a deal it is. We just see that, that our mothers figured it out and their mothers figured it out. And then we also tell our daughters, well, women before you have done it, and you're going to figure it out too. But what happens if I'm struggling and I don't feel like I can figure it out? That's more, you're, you're causing yourself even more anxiety because you're not living up to some false trope of being a superwoman. We are not superwomen. We are human beings who need help sometimes. And it's yep. okay to need help and to be vulnerable and to ask for it. Yep. And chances are our parents and grandparents, they didn't figure it out. They just moved on. Yeah. They move on. Like they, they dropped it. I put this over here and keep moving. Because I ain't got time. Exactly. It, we, it's survival. I got to go back to work. That's right. I, I listen. Like we could talk for a long time about that alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's move forward to, you know, being intimate. You know, um, how, do, how, do you, how do you keep it spicy? Like what, are we, like what should we be doing that's like in our realm of, you know, um, things that we can control, right? That allows us to ex explore and, and keep it spicy, it, even just for ourselves. It doesn't have to be for our, our significant others, our partners, but just mm -hmm. like for ourselves to make ourselves feel good um, sexually. I'm going to start with take a shower. <laughs> sounds so simple, right? Sounds so simple. Take a shower. When you're feeling horrible, take a shower, take a bath. Like that, just having the water run over you, get clean for a quick second, it, it, it brightens the, your whole outlook on life because you're also getting away from your baby. <laughs> get away from the baby for a second, take a bath, figure out what's going on, take a little extra time in there and breathe. And, and from there, you, you know, you start thinking about what, what is actually what actually feels good for you because what feels good for you may not be the same that felt good for you before you got pregnant might not be the same you know even if you never have children 
what feels good at 20 is not going to feel the same at 30, is not going to feel the same at 40, is not going to feel the same, God willing, at 70. Yeah, don't put me on the sink. I don't want to be on okay. the sink. You know, I, I, want, I want to be sexual throughout my lifetime, which means that throughout your lifetime, we need to be responsible for our own sexuality. I think a lot of times we focus on how that other person is going to make us feel good rather than figuring out what makes us feel good and then also figuring out how to tell the other person what makes you feel good. Yes. People are very uncomfortable with saying, I like this and I like that. Not me. I will draw, draw you a diagram if I need to. I'm going to hear the picture. This, I will give you instruction, whatever, whatever it is that I like. And if I don't like that, I will grab your hand. I will grab your head. I will gra I'll grab your body. Please, that does not feel good. Let's not do that again. So you really need to figure out what feels good to you and figure out how to communicate that to your partner. And hopefully you have a partner that is open and, and willing to listen to what feels good to you, because then they might even be a little bit more open to telling you what feels good to them too. You know, a lot of times we have this idea in our head about what sex should look like. And we forget that everything doesn't have to be what I call P and V, penis and vagina. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other stuff to do. You know, if you focus on the P and the V, you kind of forget the journey along the way. You know, there's a process to all of this. Like it's, it's to be is an action verb, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to be some, you don't have to be somewhere, but you can just be and exist. Yes. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy how to get to wherever it is you're going to go. And don't focus on finally getting to that big O. You don't need the orgasm to function in life. You need the connection to that other human being and that connection to yourself to get to wherever it is that you plan on going. Yes. And doing whatever it is you plan on doing, wherever it may be that you end up doing it at, <laughs> you know, get out the bed. <laughs> yes. Get out the bed. Right? Get out of the bed. You know, my attitude has always been beds are for sleeping. <laughs> now, apparently, beds are for toddlers and the cat. <laughs> yes, toddlers, baby, the cat, the dog. Dog, like. Right. So go sneak off and, and go somewhere else. Like you know, start, that, start that foreplay at six o'clock in the morning when one of you has gone downstairs and the other one is still asleep and send that text message for you to read later on. You know, leave a post-it with I love you, honey, on the, on the refrigerator. Yes. You know, a lot of sex starts up here. Most of sex starts up here. Starts in our minds. Mm -hmm. This is the best sex organ we have right in between wow. our two ears. Yes, that's such a good point. And, you know, you know, us as women, we're so mental, mm -hmm. you know, like we definitely, you know, and you get us in our mind. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we, we, for, we forget that there's all this other stuff we're supposed to be doing. It's like, no, I got to do this. I got to do this. But what about me? We forgot about ourselves. We don't, right. we don't center ourselves in our own lives in general. So, you know, we're not centering ourselves in our sexual lives. That's right. It's so true. Oh man, that, that was really good. So ladies, <laughs> get don't leave yourself to the bedroom. Okay. Let's just get out the bed. Out of the box here. All right. So, um, my husband wanted to know how do you get the kid out of the bed? Honey, I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> Mine's still sitting in the bed too. 
I know. Like, is it, is it wrong to co-sleep? Generations across the world have been co-sleeping forever. It's kind of a, a, a Western thought that babies should have their own rooms and should never see their parents again. You're forming healthy bonds with your kids by having them close to you. There's nothing wrong with co-sleeping. It makes it difficult for you to do some things, but if you think about it, in the rest of the world, People have more than one kid. Things are happening. That's right. Roll that, roll that baby over to the other side of the bed. <laughs> I know. They're in your bed. Go in the other room. That's right. Go in their room. Exactly. How do you think they got here? Exactly. They it's all so got cool. here. You know, going back to the six-week thing, I have a younger brother and sister. One is born in January. The other one's born in December. Do the math. No, they figured uh, they figured that out. Okay, people figure this out. <laughs> they sure do. You're right, and and you like just. I feel like um, you know, like again that limitation, right? We mm-hmm. limit ourselves, and we're like, oh, like mm-hmm. let's so we we have this idea in our head that sex can only be this one thing right here when there's so much to us as sexual beings that it's almost like we have to give our, ourselves permission to be sexual beings. Yeah. You know, it's more than just, I can go have sex. It's I can go have sex when I want to have sex, how I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. Yeah. And sometimes it may just be have sex with myself. You can watch, honey. I like it. My work for you. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, wait. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> you just stand there and watch. You can take over later. <laughs> right. That's exactly. Oh, man. That's really good. Like, I, I feel like, you know, giving yourself permission is like, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's so, so mind-blowing. So simple, but yet so mind-blowing. Like, you're right. I can give myself permission. It mm-hmm. is okay. You are an adult. You have a a partner, this is, you know, that stuff that you have right there belongs to you and you can consent to give it to whomever you want to give it to. Sex should be safe, sane, and consensual. Yep. Don't do anything that's going to hurt anybody. Don't do anything that involves any type of mental illness because that's a whole other thing. Mm. And, you know, sex therapists deal with that too. And don't do anything that you didn't ask permission to do. Yep. And, and, and consent is exuberant. You know, it's not just yes, it's yes. Yes, let's get it done. <laughs> so if you had to wrap, if you had to wrap this interview up in five tips um, for us moms to get recharged in the bedroom or anywhere else for that matter, what would your five tips be? Okay. Number one, center yourself in your own sexual life. Figure out what's actually important to you and work towards doing it. Number two would be remember that you're not the same person you were before you became a mother. And it's okay to not be that same person. Life changes and we are more than capable of changing with it. We just got to figure out how to get there. Uh, Number three would be, you know, communication is important, but comprehension is far more important to that. So make sure that you and your partner or any other person that you're communicating with, for that matter, are actually speaking the same language so that there's no misunderstanding of of your wants or your needs. Uh, The fourth thing would be 
agree to put the work in. Nothing comes easy. You, you know, you can't put in 100% and that other person put in 50%. It has to be 100, 100. And on some days you don't have it all to give and that's okay. But if you agree to do the heavy lifting in your own life, then you can make things happen. You know, put it on a calendar, get a babysitter. Don't focus on, on the outcome, focus on the journey and enjoy it together. Number five, get some damn sleep. <laughs> it's get so sleep. Sleep is important. Oh man, I love, like number four was my favorite. It's you have to schedule cool. your whole life. You're scheduling everything else. Yes. On schedule. Put the work in. Put that sex yeah. on schedule. Yeah, because if you don't, then you'll just be like, oh, we should have. Mm -hmm. We should have. We should have did this. But you didn't. That's right. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you might as well. Yeah, it's so true. All right. So where can people reach you if they wanted to consult with you? Okay. So I am taking my own advice and actually centering myself in my own life. I, years ago, I created a um, Instagram page that was supposed to be for, for my business and it turned into baby pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, we're gonna put the baby to the side right now and I'm gonna center myself and get back to the stuff that I need to do. So the world is gonna have to be patient with me. Yes. I started a new, a new Instagram page. It's sexologist underscore Lala, L-A-L-A. -A. Um, I also have a Facebook page, uh, Lanier Educational Consulting. And I'm gonna be working on a website. So at some point that'll, you know, that'll all get posted on one of those two places. Well, you know, whenever you, you see me in the streets with a mask on for a little while, you know. <laughs> whenever you get it, you give it to me and I'll put, I'll send it out there too. Definitely will. Definitely yeah. Will. And all of the, uh, all of the pages that the pages that you gave me, I'll put that on my show notes also. And then lastly, what is your ultimate dream car? I love Mustang nice fast and furious honey it and i'd prefer if i could have one it would be a 1967 ford mustang convertible i like it drop that top mm -hmm. i need some glasses wrap my hair up and just have the wind whipping through no no we're gonna leave the hair alone the ah! wind, the wind. <laughs> wait 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 no 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 okay i can't <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's sexy. Oh, yeah. And see, that's what I love about that car. It's, that's it's, right. There's something about it. It's, it's a muscle car that technically really isn't a muscle car, but that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, it's, it's been known to be a muscle car. And I, I like a fast car with a big engine and a sexy look. See, there it is. <laughs> yep. You're going to put sexologist on the license plate. You know what? <laughs> let me let me let me let me call some people right now. Call the DMV. I'll hold that plate for you. Okay, I need that. I need that. Somebody <laughs> might have, it. have to talk to them about that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Buy them out. <laughs> thank you so much for being on oh, the podcast. No, thank uh, you. This was such a, a gift. <laughs> this is a gift. It really was. I didn't have to pay for this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, look, you, you're paying for it by having me on here. I appreciate it.